As I have looked uh, across uh, this church, I have recognized that there are some that have lost focus. And have at one time been very strong for the Lord. But somewhere you've lost your fervor and your passion for God. It's not as though as a pastor I look for someone who commits a sin as much as I look to people that just quit moving forward. When you quit moving forward, neglect in itself is sin. How can you neglect so great of salvation? I believe it's important that we all take a good look at ourselves and reflect on our lives when we come to the house of God so that we're not just simply attending church and enjoying a beautiful Sunday morning service. My intention and my objective as a pastor is that hopefully I will say something that will convict you. Amen. So as some have lost focus, I want to preach to you today from this title, Refocus. 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 In Matthew, the sixth chapter, in the 19th verse, if you have a red-letter edition Bible, you will note that these are the words of Jesus. He simply says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. He said, but the alternative is, Lay for you, up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Then Jesus says in the 21st verse, that I be believe is extremely valuable for our understanding is, for where your treasure is, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Simply, Jesus is saying, where you place value shows where your heart is at. Two questions that are poised here today. Do you value the world? Or do you value God? Do you value the world? Do you value lust? Deceit? Trying to play around in secret places? Do you value narcotics and drugs? Do you value your hurt and pain? The indifferences? Do you value religion more than truth? The question he's asking, is this where your heart is? Because if this is where your heart is, that's your treasure. 
Or do you value God? Do you value the truth? Do you value revelation? And specifically and especially, do you value being delivered? Do you value your purpose, walking the road to your destiny? Do you value the things that the Creator has made you to become? Is this where your heart is? Is this your treasure? I remember telling this story not long ago, but there was a young man at a well-known college who was crippled and he only had crutches, and he would drag his feet around the campus. Many people were astonished because this man was so positive. And they were puzzled at the fact that the man seemed to always have a smile on his face, and he always seemed to be positive, even though he had to carry this disability around all the time dragging his feet, his shoes would wear out. Every once in a while you would see him on the campus, campus as he'd have to sit down or even rest upon his crutches. Puzzled by this, people began to ask him, how can you live with such a misfortune? His response was simple. He said, it's because I never allowed it to touch my Because where your treasure is, there is your heart also. <laughs> in fact, in Matthew, the sixth chapter and the 22nd verse, the next verse, it says, The light of the body is the eye. Everybody say the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. Light is simply to be able to see through darkness. Light is simply to be able to see through sin. But if the eyes are bad, it doesn't matter how much light is around you, you still can't see. You need a miracle. You need a miracle because if you're not able to see the direction of your life, then you need God to come and fix your eyes so that you can see where you're going. I believe we're sitting here right now in the presence of light. What is that? It's the Spirit of God. Jesus says, I am the light of this world. Amen. And he said, I'm showing myself. But the question is, are you willing to accept the miracle where you can see the light. Jesus is here. I said Jesus is here. But the question still remains, are you willing to say, I want to see this Lord. I want to see this Christ. I want to see the miracle that he has waiting for me. But before I can get to Jesus, I've got to be able to say, I want you, Lord, to heal me that I can receive the revelation of the light. 
Oh, I got to preach a little while because the miracle is here. I said the miracle is here. The miracle is here. And some of you need to declare on your lips, Lord, give me the ability that I might be healed, that I can follow after you. Come on, somebody. The Lord is in this house and he's waiting for you to receive a miracle. How do you do that? You simply have to call on him. And say, Lord, I can't do this any longer in myself. I've been trying this for a long time and it has not worked. I need to be able to see through the darkness of my life. I need to be able to see where you are at and how you are part of the equation. God, help me that I can focus on you. I believe we come to church many times for the wrong reasons. Some of us come to church because it's a social gathering. Some come to church because they are here for the entertainment. Some come to church because they like to hear just preaching. But let me tell you, preaching is not the most important portion of this service. It's what you do with it after it's preached. Uh, now, come on, somebody help me. We, we got to get to the point where we say, Lord, I'm ready to focus on you. Many people are focusing on the preacher. They're focusing on the people. They're focusing on the music. They're focusing on how much they give in the offering. But many times we leave God out of the equation and we come to church for all the wrong reasons. Ah, let me talk to somebody. I never healed nobody. I've never, I've never saved anybody. Nobody in this place has a right to take the throne. Only Jesus Christ. And he is in the house right now, ready to do a work in your life. But you got to say, Lord, I'm willing to receive the miracle that my eyes can be restored, that I might see the light in the midst of my dark life and sinful life. We live in an out-of-focus society. Number one, social media. Looking for likes from friends, but neglect desiring the approval of God. People even come to church and they're on their phone while the pastor's preaching. Why? Because they're wanting somebody to look at one of their pics they posted yesterday and just see how many likes they can get out of it. And when I'm not here for that, I'm here to say, Lord, I want to find your approval. That's why I came to the house today. Amen. I'm going to set my social media down for a little while so that I can seek after the face of God. Amen. Put your phones down. Amen. Social media will keep you unfocused with what God is trying to do. If you have your, your phone out because you're on the Bible, that's fine. But you shouldn't be looking on Facebook and Twitter and finding out what they're doing. Amen. You ought to be saying, God, I'm looking for you. I'm seeking after you. I didn't sing these songs because I can sing well. I didn't go to that altar just simply to go down there and pray of guilt. But God, I'm looking for you today. I want to turn over every issue and everything that opposes you, God, that I might find you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. We need a world that seeks after God rather than looking for the approval of people. Amen. The world.
world is so insecure that they have to have somebody like what they're doing and what they're saying until we're dressing like the world and we're talking like the world and we're acting like the world because we want the approval of the world. But God said, no, won't you just seek after me that you might know who I am. Man, talk about smartphones now. Smartphones, we live in an unfocused society. Smartphones, texting is more important than driving. I've watched it time and time again, including myself. I've had to put it under check, sitting across the table with friends. Family and my spouse browsing the internet, shopping, and talking to others rather than focusing on the moment. Oblivious to the conversation, not knowing what's going on. Ah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll address some of the issues. I don't mind. Amen. Come on now. <laughs> Sister Williams, you got somebody. Run for your money right there. <laughs> She's ready for that. Amen. A wife looks over at her husband and she says, you're not listening to me, are you? And he looks at her and he thinks to himself, that's kind of an odd way to start a conversation. <laughs> you know why that's happening? It's because we're so out of focus. Amen. Shopping Amazon. While Kmart's going out of business. <laughs> Sitting across the table with friends, family, the most beautiful thing in this world. We're internet shopping, talking to other people and friends and telling everybody how much they appreciate the likes they received. They're called smartphones. Doesn't seem so smart to me. We talk about the third one, media, entertainment that is robbing people from social interaction. It's hard to even get our kids out of their bedrooms anymore because they're gaming and watching movies and things that, that, that keep our kids completely away from what is normal until we're becoming a dysfunctional society and nobody knows how to fix it. I'll tell you how to fix it. We need to refocus. I said we need to refocus and put Jesus Christ in the center of our life so that we can then follow after the light of the world so that we might be healed. Am I all right? Amen. Then it goes on to say in the 23rd verse, But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. The eye be evil, 
the whole body shall be full of darkness. Unless we can fix this, unless there is a miracle of the eyes, we will never see the light. Because light is only revealed through revelation. And so he's saying, Jesus is saying, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? That word single actually means refocus. If thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. Go to the passage just before that, and it says, Thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. In other words, he's saying, if you're focused singly on Christ Jesus, then there is light. But if you're divided, a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. It's saying, I'm having a hard time focusing. I can't, I can't see. I've got multiple things that I've got my eyes on, but I can't see any one thing good or one thing clear. And so what he is saying, he says, you need to get your eyes fixed so that you can follow after the light. But action speaks as to what is in the heart. Action. Everybody say action. Action. The whole body shall be evil if we're not focused. Action speaks to what is in the heart. If evil starts, it will become what I believe a part of our actions, and it becomes an infestation of sin to the whole body. In fact, a dry wood termite infestation typically occurs when an existing colony sends out a fly termite, which are called swarmers. As these termites forage for food, they may stumble upon a rich new food source, your brand new house. Subterranean termites commonly build mud tunnels over uh, foundational walls to access the wooden parts of the structure. They simply build little mud tunnels to get the colony to the wood or to the food. And if you're not aware of this, next thing you know, you have an infestation. See, Satan is looking for a food source. Satan takes the blood out, but Jesus puts the blood in. Because when Jesus was on the cross, at the cross, Satan took his blood out. But what he didn't realize, while the blood was flowing, it was a transfusion, he was putting his blood in. At the cross, at the cross, at the cross, at the cross, 
Satan thought he was taking the blood out. But I'm glad. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost coming on me now. I'm glad that I can stand here and tell you that not one drop of blood was wasted. But yet, he said, I'm going to put it into my church. I'm going to put it into my body. I'm going to put it into my bride. And by the blood shall they be redeemed. Oh, you don't believe me. I don't think you believe me. Hebrews, the 13th chapter and the 12th verse says this. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. Sanctify his people with his own blood. Sanctify his people with his own blood. Amen. Suffereth without the gate. He's simply saying, it does not matter what the world may think. When Jesus steps on the scene and you see the light, he will put his blood in you and there is not anything in this world that will ever 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 destroy the blood of Jesus Christ the antichrist shall be defeated by the blood of the lamb every devil shall be put under our feet by the blood of the lamb every curse that has been placed against us shall be put under the blood of the lamb amen every sin that we have ever committed under the blood oh I feel the spirit of God in this place amen the blood the blood the blood it still works today and it's working right now and while the devil thinks he's taking it out God in flesh says I'm putting it in hallelujah when Satan thought he was taking it out but reality was Jesus was putting it in the devil thought he was taking it but Jesus was giving it that's why he said, no man taketh my life from me, but I lay it down. Devil, you think you are the one that put me on this cross? You didn't do it but by my own power. You think you were the one that drove the nails in my hands? You didn't do it but by my own power. No man taketh my life from me. But I, Jesus said, lay it down. Why, why, why? I'll tell you why. Because he was putting his blood in you and I. That we may be able to stand here today and say, I follow the light. Ah. Can I go on a little while longer? So treasure denotes value. I would have to suggest, and I hope you all believe, that God is without doubt the greatest value to all humanity. It's impossible to think you can trade him for something of greater value and it not affect your eternal soul. There is nothing greater than Jesus Christ. Let me talk about this for a while. Negative. Everybody say negative. Negative attention usually comes from people who don't believe they deserve positive attention. And when you are always looking for negative attention instead of positive attention, looking for the things that the world wants to offer rather than what God has already created you to be, then it turns into drama, manipulation, control, so that the outcome can be what feels most comfortable to the individual. Negative people usually feel comfortable in a negative environment. We need to break the back on that spirit. Yeah. 
and say, I, I, I had a whole lot of things go wrong this week. I've met hell at every turn. Cat died. Car broke down because my wife didn't put oil in it. My husband, he went and bought a new toy. Everything seems to be going wrong. But what would happen if we started talking positive? Every once in a while, you meet your husband at the door and throw your arms around him and say, Honey, I sure love you. He probably wouldn't know what to do with that. He'd probably think he's got a girlfriend because he's never had that come from you. Your husband's going there and say, you know what? Honey, you just go ahead and sit there. I'll do the dishes. She'd probably be looking at you like, what happened to you today? Did you hit your head? What's going on with you? I wonder what would happen if you told your kids how proud of you, them, that you are with them because of what they have done. They come home with a B or a C. The reason they might be coming home with a B or a C is because you become a distraction by being so negative when they don't live up to an A. But sometimes those B's and C's can become an A if someone just believe in them. You might be surprised what your family would be like if you'd get your mind out of the gutter and quit feeling sorry. Oh, am I preaching now? Quit feeling sorry for yourself and realize that maybe, just maybe, my saying something positive might change the course of my destiny. Uh, how much more time do I have? I got a meeting today. Let's look at this for a moment. Who was the first king over Israel? My God, I've taught you better than this. Who was the first king over Israel? Some of you are saying like, Saul. Is that it? Is that it? Is that, was, that, was that right? Yeah, Saul is it. Everybody say it like you, you know it. Saul. Here's the thing. Saul was anointed, but also lived in rebellion. And there's nothing more frustrating than to have an anointing on your life and not pay attention as to how you got there. Saul was anointed to be king. That's what got him there. But once he became the king, he forgot. Because he thought it was okay to perform the sacrificial offering of the priest. He thought it was okay to usurp the authority of God and keep from killing all of the Amalekites. He thought it was okay to keep back King Agag when God said kill him. He thought that Samuel was a man he could deceive, and he tried. 
He thought he could lie. He thought he could consult with a witch. He gave life to all these inner battles and lost the anointing of the kingdom because he recognized himself more than he recognized God. All I can say to Saul is you need to refocus. But he didn't. That's the difference, Brother Hawks, between David and Saul. Saul didn't ever commit the crimes David did. But David always come to the Lord and said, Lord, forgive me. If there's any evil way in me, forgive me of those things that I have done. Then he goes on to say, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He recognized his fault, whereas Saul began to say, it wasn't me, it was the people. It wasn't my fault. Who's the king here? Are the people the king or... Are you, Saul? Amen. He was doing that because he was trying to justify himself. Anointing can be on your life, but never forget why you got that anointing in the first place. That when you come to the house of God, that you say, if I'm not where I need to be, I need to refocus my life and get these eyes where I can follow after the light of Jesus Christ. Inner battles are much harder to fight than physical battles. Why? Because the mind is where it starts. Physical battles are a byproduct of letting what is in your mind win. Evil thoughts in the mind. Unethical reasoning in the mind. Worldly wisdom in the mind. Being self-absorbed in the mind. Controlling spirits in the mind vindictive desires in the mind inner battles inner battles inner battle battles go to the next level when you have no restrictions on your physical temptation uh, I want you to hear this inner battles go to the next level when you have no restrictions on your physical temptations when you have no reservation when you have no self-restraint when you just do anything and everything you want to do and you never can say, I won't do that. But you can't do it because your flesh keeps walking. You cross that line. That's why we talk about fasting. I don't have time to talk about it a lot today. But fasting is when you go without food and all you do is drink water. Why? Because your body says, I'm hungry. And you say in your mind, but you're not going to eat. Why? Because there's a battle going on within you. And that's why Paul said, I find there is a war in my members. That which I would do, I do not. My mind is battling my flesh. And he says, i got to get this flesh under restriction. i got to get this flesh under subjection because I know I cannot go to the next level with Christ if I don't have any self-restraint. Amen. I don't always want to go to church, but I go to church. I don't always want to pray, but I pray. I don't always want to stand here and preach, but I preach. Why? Because I know I got to press forward. Even when my flesh tells me one thing, I know I must do another. And when my mind says, Rob, keep it up. You're going to have to be a father. You're going to have to be a husband. You're going to have to be a pastor. And it's not always going to be easy, but just do what's right. We know that our actions are a byproduct of what we've been pondering in our mind. 
because your actions tell everybody who you really are. Your actions go back to my scripture where it says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Your actions reveal what's in your heart. Refocus. Refocus. You must work on getting your mind under subjection so you can get your actions under control. I'm just about through. Now up to this point is the foundation to build a spiritual walk with God. Refocus. Because if you don't get it in your mind, if you don't get this mind and body stuff, you're only fooling yourself if you think you will get the spiritual stuff. If you don't get this mind and body stuff, you're only fooling yourself if you think you will get the spiritual stuff. If you don't get the mind and the body stuff down, you're fooling yourself if you believe you're going to get a spiritual experience with God. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm tired of hearing all this sloppy love. And I use that word very directly, sloppy love. Because the love of Jesus Christ is not sloppy. Some people believe you're only saved by grace, but you can live any lifestyle you want. That's not love. That's like me saying I can live any way I want outside of my marriage and do things that are not right. But my wife's got to love me no matter what. What that is is called sloppy love. My love, might, my wife might love me with an agape love, but not with sloppy love. Because sloppy love says you don't have to do anything that braces you and firms you in that relationship. Let me tell you about real love. Real love says, and I've, I put this on Facebook. <laughs> I put this on Facebook. You think how I said it. I said, Jesus loves you right where you are, but not to keep you where you are. That's real love. It's not sloppy love. It has a very direct, direct objective, and that is that he can love you out of your sin. If we can't get this mind and body stuff down, then we're fooling ourselves if we're going to get the spiritual stuff that God intends for us to have. When you bypass your responsibilities mentally and physically, you only create death spiritually. Skirting the battle. Not dealing with the real issues. Pretending that they will go away. And I'm not just preaching to you. I'm absolutely preaching to myself. Every one of us, including myself, has messed up. Every one of us have inner battles that we have to fight. Sometimes we're in so deep that only God can fix it. Pastoral counseling can't fix it. The psychiatrist can't fix it. Botox can't fix it. There's a whole lot of stuff going on the inside of us. I'm not preaching to you on a physical level. I'm really preaching to the spirit-to-spirit level. Telling you that there's a whole lot you cannot fix in your life. 
Because if you can't get this on the inside, you've missed the whole point. Someone who abuses a little girl or a little boy. They have a plague in their mind. A disease that they need healing of. Their wiring is messed up. Their wiring is messed up in their head. But God is the great electrician. Paul makes it very clear when he says in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, in the ninth verse. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says, be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That seems to me to be very strong two passages. Almost as if Paul has beaten us up. Saying, you're damned and condemned by those two passages. But Paul didn't leave us there. He says in the 11th verse, and such were some of you. I like what he says here because it's, it's true statistics. He says some. Some. Why does he say some? He says because there's always going to be somebody here that's dealing with issues that they need to have fixed. And so he didn't exclude those that were still struggling in the mind. He just said that there's some of you that have been washed and you've been sanctified. And now you are justified. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus. And also by the Spirit of our God. I guess this whole message today is to let you know that all of us have messed up. But it's time for all of us to refocus. And I don't set myself apart. I struggle. I struggle every day. There's things in my mind that I know God's got to fix. And there's some things in my mind I'm probably going to have to live with for the rest of my life. And things that, that have happened to me. But yet I know, I know that i got to get my mind on Christ. And be focused on Him. Otherwise my mind and my body will take me away into eternal damnation.
me say it. There's not a man, there's not a woman, there's not a young person, there's not a boy, there's not a girl that's worth going to hell over. There's not a family member, there's not a church. Oh, am I getting to you anywhere? Amen. There is not any type of religion and background, denomination, none of that is going to get you to heaven. But when you fall on your knees and you find a place at the altar of God and you begin to cry out to him Lord look upon me for I am undone and God I have done things I'm not proud of but I'm going to tell you the moment you open your mouth I said the moment you open your mouth the moment your lips break loose and you say God forgive me all of a sudden boom just like fire from heaven God forgives you of your sin he says now it's time to put that behind you some of you hear me now. It's time to put that behind you. Not in front of you, behind you. Not two months later, not six months later, not two years later. He says, I'm putting it behind you. And he says, when I put it behind you, I'm going to put it in the sea of forgetfulness. You're not going to have to worry about this no more. As we all stand here today, refocus, 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 refocus.